Give these kids a hand as you're having a seat. All right. Wow. What a week. Hundreds of kids, hundreds of degrees, um, hundreds of man hours spent, thousands of man hours spent preparing for this week. It's been an, uh, an exciting week. But one God, one Grace Point Adventure Point Day Camp, and you have an awesome week on your hands. That's a, that's, a, that's a lethal combination. And as far as I know, all the kids made it, survived it. Uh, we haven't had any parents call looking for their children, so that's a good thing. But, you know, this week's been about heroes. There's all kinds of heroes. I, I, I kind of took me back in time to see some of the, the childhood heroes that I had forgotten about, Superman and, and Wonder Woman and all these different ones. But there were some that, I, to be honest, I'd never seen before. I'd never heard of Pizza Man, uh, but there actually was a Pizza Man here. I don't know if you've uh, popped him up there on the screen here. There he is. That's, uh, that's Pizza Man. Uh, Todd Abbott looking in all of his glory. Uh, there with uh, pizza gloves and everything. But then we also had some Water Woman uh, personality. So there are all kinds of uh, personalities and people uh, here, heroes, if you will. And I uh, had a great time. Also, last week was uh, Father's Day weekend, if you remember. And my kids kind of had a little extra thing. They took me to see Toy Story 3 for Father's Day. And it's a good movie. How many of you all seen Toy Story 3? That's a good movie. I don't know. Uh, it's maybe the best movie of the summer. We'll, we'll have to see. Looking for redemptive qualities in Toy Story 3. Only thing I can think of is toys even go through midlife crisis. That's about the only thing I can think of on, on, on that one. But, uh, you know, when you think about Toy Story, there's a, there's a hero in Toy Story. Buzz Lightyear. I mean, but nobody was Buzz Lightyear this year. So I'm going to claim Buzz Lightyear uh, as, as my hero of, of the week. You go to movies, man, you don't want to think. You just want to veg. You just want to not think. In fact, amusement means not to think. Awe means not, and muse means to think. So when you do amusement, you're just unlocking the brain, disengaging the thought processes. But I want to challenge you in this series of messages that we do every year is I don't want you to go for amusement. I want you to go for amusement. I want you to think. I want you to go to a movie, and I want you to think, what did I learn from that movie? Are there any redemptive God qualities in that movie? And there's several of these this, this year that just popped off the silver screen. I mean, it was so clear, it was so abundantly clear of what, uh, what was being said inside these movies. And today's is, is no less. When you talk about heroes, and you want to know who a hero is, there is no greater hero in these children that filled up this stage's life than a mother and a father. That is absolutely the hero of heroes. Get past the fictional characters. Whenever your son tells me, as Caleb told me when he was about two or three years old, and he looked up to me as we were getting ready to go camping in Africa for the very first time, he says, Daddy, when I get big, I want to be like you. You talk about a weight on me. You talk about an emotion that runs over me. You talk about this overwhelming sense that, oh, my gosh, I've got to stand up and live up to something here. I've got to have something to pass on. I mean, to have that kind of level of honor. The thing is, every child, I'll guarantee you, if your son or your daughter hasn't said that to you, they're thinking it. They're living it. They look at their mother and their father as the heroes of their life. But my question to you and the question to me and the question that this movie begs, what if you don't have a mother or father? What if you don't have a hero? What if you don't have somebody standing in your life, speaking into your life, loving you in life, seeing you through life? I can remember November of 20th, 2009, like it was yesterday. 
I was not planning for it. It was not something on my radar. It was not something on Lori and I's radar at all. But when we went to see the movie Blindside on the night that it came out, we went for all amusement. But God took it to amusement. God took it to the heart. And it was that week that, that kind of caught me off guard because we were in a series of messages called I Hope, and that whole message was about how we could bring hope to families and community and so forth like that. And so it was the week leading up to Sunday the 22nd that I was going to be speaking for only 10 minutes. I mean, it was a very short part. We were going to turn the rest of the service over to Stuart and some other people to help lead and to provide guidance because there's a lot of families in our church that either have adopted, that are either doing foster parenting, that are somehow tied to that or have have a passion for that and want to help see that done here locally and around the world. So that November 20th was just a night to disengage the brain and go to a movie. And we go to the movie and we were blindsided in blindsided. It was a movie about blindsiding in football, but it was blindsiding in our hearts whenever we, we saw the message in the movie. And it was so clear that we needed to be about something here. And actually, that week was going along and I was preparing my 10-minute little devotional thought I thought that's all it was going to be, but as Lori and I had been talking, and Lori and I were in that movie, and Lori and I walked out of that movie, we couldn't get but one person off of our mind, and she was in Africa, and she was an orphan. And if you all were here, you know the story and all the emotions that went into that. And that was the 20th that we saw the movie. The 22nd, I shared this little devotional, if you will. And then I am on the 24th on a plane bound for Zambia to pick up memory to do my best to get memory to bring her home. Well, the wheels fall off that bus on Thanksgiving Day here in America, and it was uh, night over there, and uh, whenever I finally, after 12 hours of looking for memory, found memory, and memory was not in the position to come home, to come to America. And again, that was an emotional roller coaster for us. And I can remember in the pitch black night of Africa, in the compound of Livingston, Zambia, calling Lori on the phone and saying, listen, I found memory. But she's married, and she has a child. These are the information that we didn't we didn't have. It wasn't the full story. And again, I don't have time to go into it all. It was a it, but but what came back to us as we're sitting here, she's crying as she's celebrating Thanksgiving with my family, and and I'm over in in, in Zambia thinking, what in the world am I here? All this time, money, and everything spent. What's all this about, God? Did we miss your call? Did we miss something in all of this? And she's crying, and I'm crying, and I'm upset, and she's upset, and here we are. What are we going to do? And all we have to do is step away from it. We didn't know. And here we were following as far as we could and going as far as we could and all that we knew to do. And it kind of didn't happen. So what we did was we waited. The thing that we all hate doing is waiting. Well, we waited. That's all we could do. It was not an option, but we had to wait and we had to assess. We had to think through, God, what is this all about? And it has been an amazing process to go through the waiting and to think, and to open up our hearts, and to be available. Because that's what we kind of landed on. We landed, okay, God, we, we, we will wait. You've got to understand that when we're going into this whole parenting thing, when we had a boy and a girl, Jordan and Caleb, I was fine. We had the package deal, all right? But Lori said, no, don't go to the doctor yet. You know, we're, we may, we not, I'm, I'm trying to talk her into it. No, let's go to the doctor, and boom, we have another one, okay? And so I'm giving you, I know, TMI for today, but here it is. I didn't ask her for the, the next appointment. I just went and made the appointment in a bush hospital in Africa. It's worked. But, um, again, TMI. But anyway, 
I was fine with three and out, okay? Two and out was fine, but three and out. I don't love all three of our kids, but we were fine. And I was done. Why in the world? This is not something that I sought. This is not something that she sought. And all of a sudden, we are in a position to where we're making our lives available for an adoption. We're talking about something here that's way beyond it. Do we really realize what, what we're talking about here? This is going to change the McDaniel family structure in a big way. When you think about this movie, you think about the Tui family. And their successful, upscale, high-end living of suburban Memphis in their lifestyle that's already pre-programmed, that everything's all mapped out, every all the ducks in a row, the kids are in their activities and doing all the right things and going to the right school, and they've got enough money to go whenever they want to, wherever they want, and they've got this successful franchise, and all of a sudden, in the middle of a rainstorm, they meet this big, overgrown, overdeveloped individual. And they invite him to come stay with them. And as you know the story, how many of you all have seen Blindside? You know what happens. Well, Michael Orr comes into their home and becomes a part of them. And what a worldview shift was going on in the Tui household that night. What happens in your life when God blindsides you? When all of a sudden, the world of which you got perfected and got it all figured out and got it all mapped out and your hair's perfect and your life's perfect and your car's perfect and your husband's perfect and your dogs are potty trained and everything is all in line in your life. And God blindsides you. What happens? What do you do? How do you respond? The McDaniel family was, was blindsided as we were thinking, okay, every life, life is good and perfect and all put together. And all of a sudden, it's not. Now all of a sudden, it's being rearranged and, and the spaces of our life are, and the nice, nicely neat family package is being arranged. And what has happened in Lori and I's life is that we began, and even in the kid's life, and that's been a process and a story to itself, as we have seen this our hearts open up as an entire family to this. And then when you study and you understand the statistics that there are 3,700 children in foster care across the state of Arkansas right now, and 300 of them are in northwest Arkansas. There's 300 kids out there that need safe, secure homes. Temporarily, maybe. Maybe for months, maybe for years. I don't know, but they're, they're, they're in a process and it's not safe over there, so they need a place to go to. In the foster care system, also, if you think about across the state of Arkansas, there are 500 children waiting for adoption. Now, when I say waiting for adoption, let me define that. I'm not even talking about those who might be adopted. I'm talking about those who the parents' rights have been terminated. They are wards of the state, if you will. They are in an orphanage. They are in some foster care system, and there is no home for them, and they're waiting for a mother and a father to make space in their life for them. 500. In Benton County, Washington, northwest Arkansas, there are 20 who stand ready to be adopted today. If 7% of Christians in the world were to adopt a single orphan, there would be no more orphans in the world. So we're not even talking about 100% in this room today. And you might say, whew, I'm glad he's not talking about me. The person next to me can take care of this. Open your heart. Open your heart. When you come to the, 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 the James chapter 1, verse 27, is the, is the verse back on November 22nd that I shared from. And it was the verse that convicted me throughout that entire week when what true religion looks like. What does it really look like? They take care of orphans and widows. 
They visit and take care of and tend to orphans and widows. And again, my life was packaged. It was complete. It didn't need that. It didn't, I didn't need to have that sense of parenthood, fatherhood, or whatever. I had my perfect little biological children. But what about the others out there who need a home? Take your Bibles. We find the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, what we're going to look at today. And I'm going to be jumping back and forth a lot here. So you're going to have to understand where I am, follow along. Because what Paul does when he writes the book of Romans in verse chapter 8, he comes to a, a, a parallel here. He compares a spiritual adoption relationship with God with a earthly physical adoption on this earth. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to be hopping back and forth. You're going to to pay close attention when we talk about the adoption by God versus the adoption of man, of us adopting people, because the story is beautiful. And if you have a hard time understanding being born again, which is a phrase that threw Nicodemus off and throws me off still to this day. If you have a hard time understanding regeneration, I have a hard time understanding that, and redemption, I have a hard time putting my arms around that, then please, if we can just understand adoption today, we might just unlock the key to your spirit, to understanding what it means to be in a relationship with God. But as you look at this passage, you have to understand the Bible in its totality because the Bible refers to God's people or His followers as His children. And here's a verse for us that's quite troubling, if you will. So hang on to it. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. By this it is evident who are children of God and who are children of the devil. All right, not exactly the family tree you want. That second one. Not exactly the one you want to be identified with. The second one. But if you look at it from Scripture and you shape life by Scripture, then you have to understand that God draws a line in the sand. He said, you're either, I am, Mike McDaniel, I'll keep it personal, Mike McDaniel is either a child of God or he's a child of the devil. There's no middle ground. And then he goes on, he said, now, what's the test and how can you test that? He says, whoever does does not practice righteousness is not of God, and nor is the one who does not believe uh, or does not love his brother. So as you sit there and you understand that, you understand this, that Mike McDaniel at one point in his life was a child of the devil. Everybody on this earth that lives at one point a child of the devil until they have been adopted. That word that we're going to key in on. Until there's been a spiritual adoption in their life they're a child of the devil. Now, that's not exactly fun talk to have, but it's a reality check that we need to have maybe at this point. And if your child, listen, if your father is the devil, you've got a deadbeat dad. You need to understand he's a deadbeat dad and he's out to deceive you, he's out to take advantage of you, he's out to get you. I want to be adopted. If that's my dad, if I have a deadbeat dad named the devil, I want a new dad. If I have a delinquent dad like that, I don't want to be a part of that family. But here's a problem. How can I? What needs to happen? I think we need to understand adoption today. We need to understand adoption from a couple of different angles. So here are three looks on adoption. Jot them down real quickly. Adoption, number one, comes from an imperfect past. 
Listen, if it was a perfect life and a perfect home and a perfect world and a perfect conditions, there probably wouldn't need, be need for adoption. Okay? There wouldn't be a need for it. So you've got to understand that when you talk about the conversation of adoption, you're talking about something that deals with imperfection. It's something in the arena of imperfection. There's going to be imperfection all around it. Lori and I are in this process of going through classes to learn how to parent through DHS. Now, that almost is an oxymoron, all right? But I, I won't go there much further than that to say that you're raising three kids over here and you've got to go learn to parent over here. You know, we're jumping through the hoops is the short end of the stick, okay? We're jumping through the hoops. We are learning some things. One of the things that we really learned that was powerful was to learn how children are developed or underdeveloped. One of those things is like, let's take a biological child who's eight years old. Physically, they are eight years old. All right, they are biologically eight years old. They were born eight years ago. Does it mean that they're emotionally, physically, experientially eight years old? They may be two years old emotionally. They may be academically five years old. But they're biologically eight years old. They may be, listen to this, 18, 19, 20 years old sexually. You can have all manner of children whenever you're dealing with adoption out of, a, out of a system like this, out of broken, dysfunctional families. You've got to realize there's dysfunction out there, and that spills over. And that you may be getting an 8-year-old, but they may be all over the scale in so many other areas. And how are you going to deal with that? And the reality is that we live in an imperfect world, and we are imperfect people, and that the perfect blue-haired Excuse me, blue-eyed, blonde hair, one-year-old child. If you got a blue-haired child, you really got a lot of problems. Um, child out there may not be the system that you may not be the child that will be handed down through the system to you. It may be everything but that. And the reality is, is that we live imperfect. We are imperfect. This world is imperfect, and we need to realize it from a spiritual perspective. You and I need to embrace the reality that I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. That I'm messed up and you're messed up. That I'm far from God and you're far from God. At some point in our life, Ephesians 2 verse 12 says this, Remember, at one time you were separated from Christ. There was this gulf of separation. Realize it. Don't fight against it. Don't push against it. Don't deny it. Embrace it. The reality. Don't intellectualize it away. Embrace that hardcore reality. Now, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't give you a warm fuzzy. It's not comforting thoughts to think that you're imperfect and God's perfect and imperfect can never be with perfect. It's really tough to swallow. It's a thing that we must, we must face. Galatians 4, 8 says it like this. When you did not know God, you were enslaved imprisoned, held captive in dysfunctionality, in imperfection. You were messed up in a messed up world with messed up father, a deadbeat dad called the devil. Now go to Romans 8, verse 12. So then, brothers, he's speaking here to followers of Christ, to those who obviously have been adopted. We are debtors. We have an obligation. There's something out there that's, that we need to understand. There's, there's responsibility. What is that? Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, 
For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What's this debtor? What's this obligation lingering out there? See, the reality is is that when I face the music that I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, we're not perfect, we're not in a perfect world, and we live in a sea of dysfunctionality. And we realize that in our own spirits, that I am dysfunctional, I need help. Then, only then can we realize the beauty of an adoption by God. I tell people this, you've got to get some people lost before you can get them saved. Because in this day of positive mental attitude, we got switched into some kind of gear in our brain that says, you're okay, I'm okay, we're okay. And that's okay if all you're measuring yourself up against is dysfunctionality and imperfection. But when we measure ourselves up against a holy God and a perfect God and a perfect creation that He created and we're imperfect, it doesn't, ma- it doesn't match up. There's going to have to be something put back together, some broken pieces Put back together. Also, earlier in Romans uh, 8, it says this, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the, what the Spirit desires. Here, here's the test. You know, remember when Lehman was here a few weeks or months ago, Kevin Lehman, and I said it a few weeks ago, where he referred to our children as hedonistic little suckers. They are. You know what? You are. I am. Until there's something that happens inside of us, until there's a change that happens inside of us, until there's an adoption. And I'm going to come to that in a moment. We need to realize that imperfect past, that dysfunctionality is there. It's inside of us. And we constantly go after the things of the mind and of the flesh. Now look at verse 6. The mind of sinful man is death. That's what ends up. In this imperfect world and these imperfect lives that we are living, need to know the embrace of God's love. I want you to write this down. It's not in your notes. It's not going to appear on the screen, but I want you to get it. The sooner we accept our our delinquency, the sooner we can embrace God's intimacy. The sooner, the sooner we embrace our delinquency, the fact that I'm imperfect, and the fact that I need God, the sooner I'm going to be able to embrace God's intimacy. If I am constantly trying to prove myself to God, I will never make it. And again, to go back to the Tuies and, and Michael Orr, there's this, sometime we have to sit in the car. Sometimes we have to wake up to the reality that we live in a messed up world and we have a messed up life. And sometimes, listen, it's when we ask ourselves the simplest of questions. And here's one of them. Who's your daddy? Who's your father? But it's a reality check for all of us that we are imperfect people and we live in an imperfect world. And it's only because somebody steps into our life that we can ever be rescued from that. I don't care if you're an adult, senior adult, young adult, never married, married, married multiple times, whatever it is. 
the life that we live is an imperfect life in an imperfect world, and we need to be rescued from it. The second look on adoption is this. Adoption is a present choice. Yes, it's an imperfect past. The great thing is that we live in a present day where there's a present choice being made about you and about me. It's not just, it's not just future. See, I have made my conversation about the faith all futuristic, kind of fire insurance policy where, hey, when you die today, do you know for certain you're going to go to heaven or hell? All right? That's been the question. I've been trained to ask, do you know for certain if you die today, you'd go to heaven? I don't think that's the question. I think this is the question. Today, do you have a personal, intimate relationship with God through Jesus? Are you certain? That's the question. It's not heaven or hell. It's the question right here and now. Do I have a relationship? Now, granted, great, the streets of gold are waiting for us. Great, there's going to be a mansion in glory, as the old hymn says. Yes, maybe so. But the point is, and yes, I do believe in a little heaven and a little place, a little place called heaven, paradise. Yes, yes, yes. But it's not that. It's here. It's right here, right now. Look at this. John 17, 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they know the only true God. Listen, it's not that I get my baptism certificate signed by the pastor. The pastor baptized me. Am I a member of this church? Am I secure forever in heaven? No. It's do I have a relationship with God here and now? And that it needs to be about a relationship. See, adoption is about a relationship, not a destination. It's not about having a roof over your head. It's not having the streets of gold and the mansion in glory. It's about having a relationship. And when you enter into a relationship, you're entering into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now, verse 14, look with me there. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are servants of God, are slaves of God, are peasants of God. No, they're sons of God. Now we're talking relationship. Now we're talking family. Now we're talking adoption. It, it, and what is adoption? Two, two just thoughts. Here they are. One, to adopt is to choose to love someone. We all know about biological love. You've got to love Uncle Larry or Uncle Bob whether you like it or not, right? When you're growing up, you've got to love your brothers and sisters and hug them and kiss them when you get in an argument with them whether you like it or not. You gotta love them. They're, they're they're blood, all right. Blood's thicker than water, so you love your you love your family, all right. We also know about that romantic love, that love that kind of comes inside of us and takes over us and all that kind of stuff. And I've had a lot of couples come to me at times in their marriage and they'll say, you know what, we're just not in love anymore. And they'll explain it to me, and what they'll explain to me is that the euphoria is gone, the emotion's gone, the high is gone, and that's what love is. Well, that comes and goes all the time. You feed it or you don't. You lose it. You have it. You got it. You don't have it. That's not love. Love is a choice. I choose to love you. Whenever God in heaven sent His Son on earth, Jesus, God, the Father, chose to love us. John fifteen sixteen. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit. John fifteen nineteen. I chose you out of the world. Is adoption 
Is it an inconvenience? Is it messy? Is it costly? Is it hard? Is it an adjustment on the American dream? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It's all that rolled up into one. But somehow it's being able to look past it all and choosing to love them. Choosing, making a choice to love them. Read Romans 5, verse 8 with me. God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In our mess, in our filth, in our unput-together dysfunctional lifestyles, God reached into our lives, chose to love us, warts and all. Galatians 4, 5 says, Redeemed. There's that key big word there. Redeemed those who are under law so that they might be received the adoption of the sons. Look at verse 15. It uses the word adoptions in Galatians 4, 5. It uses it again in verse 15. It says, For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. God chooses to adopt us. He looks into time. He doesn't, He's not looking for the perfect person. He's looking at imperfection, and He's loving us anyway. We've got some cool things happening around Grace Point. We've got options to do orphan work in, in, in Kenya and, and in Zambia. And you can go back to the Ghost Center after the service and talk to uh, the Meehans and talk to Rob Horton back about, about what's going on. We have an adoption uh, support group that's going to be forming. We've got a lot of parents who are adopting in our church and going through that process, feeling a similar call. And it's a really cool thing. We have That's happening. You, you can learn more about that again with with Rob, he can give you some more information on that. But I just wonder today, are we going to make room in our life to love people? Are we going to choose to love them? That's what adoption is. The second thing about adoption is to adopt is to bring safety and security to someone. A lot of children don't have safety and security. I've heard of one child who was so young growing up, couldn't reach the cabinet to get the glasses, couldn't even reach the faucet to get a drink. Mother and dad were deadbeats. And basically what the child had to learn to do is pilfage through the house and drink whatever was at their level. So if they could find something on the, on the coffee table, if they could find something on the end table and grab it and drink it, and what they found there commonly was beer. So a child drinks beer. Is that a safe and secure environment? No. We live in a world that's messed up. We work with people that are messed up. We have homes and relationships that are not right. And you know what? The same it is in our own spirits. They're not right. We need to be adopted. We need to find safety and security. And the beautiful news is, is that in the adoption, in the relationship with God, is that He chose me. It wasn't my great beauty, looks, talents, abilities that He chose. He chose me. He accepted me. As He wants to accept you. But He also brings safety and security to us. Look at verse 16. He says, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. His Spirit is inside my spirit. His, His Spirit adopted me. I can cry out to Him, Abba, Father. But His Spirit is telling my spirit, I'm okay. 
I can tell you right now as a believer for many years that there have been many days in my life that I didn't feel like a Christian. I didn't feel like a follower of Jesus. But it was His Spirit in my spirit saying, hey, it's okay, let's get back on course. I still love you. I haven't rejected you. I haven't given up on you. I heard the story this uh, two weeks ago, I guess it was now, of a, of a couple who had adopted a child out of Colombia. And they bring their child home with its broken English. And it was a little boy. And they laid the boy down in bed every night. And the dad would go in and tuck him in bed and, and say, I love you. So glad you're here with us. And the little boy in his broken English said, I'll make you a good son. I'll make you a good son. And that's all he could say at night. I'll make you a good son. I don't know if he was trained that in the orphanage or what, but that's what he'd say. I'll make you a good son. And the dad would just boo-hoo. He just couldn't handle it. He said, I know it. I love you. I love you. Embrace him and hug him again and lay him back down again. And he would leave the room the next night to say thing. I'll make you a good son. I'll make you a good son. Tell him that again. And he said, oh, finally, the dad said, you're going to kill me if you keep saying that. Not exactly like that. But he said, you can't keep saying this. He said, I love you because I chose to love you. You can't do anything to make me not love you. I love you. That's safety. That's security. I don't know if you've ever heard the voice of God. But I hope if you hear anything from Him, that you will hear, I love you. There's nothing you can do to make me love you anymore. And there's nothing you to do to make me love you any less. I love you. Verse 38 and 39 in the same chapter, go down there. For I am sure... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor... Don't you know what he's going... He's building up to something big here. Nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to do what? Separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know how I am absolutely so secure in my salvation that Jesus is mine and I am His and I am adopted by Him? And I will forever be His. It's not because anything I did or will do. It's everything that He did for me. That gives me the security and the confidence. He chose me. I didn't choose Him. He said that already. He adopted me. I didn't adopt Him. I just received that adoption. It is all about Him initiating it with me and me being the recipient of His adoption into my life. Now, who in the world wants to run away from God adopting us? See, the sooner we embrace our, our delinquency, the sooner we can embrace His intimacy. Do it today. The third look at adoption is this. That adoption provides hope. Hope for the future. Some kids that are in the foster care and in the adoptive services of the DHS, they can't spell hope. They don't know what hope would look like. But I want you to see something in verse 17 where God makes it really abundantly clear about our spiritual hope and our spiritual future. Because He said in verse 17, if any, if children, which He was referring back to the children of God in verse 16, if children, then heirs, He said it once, then He says it again, heirs of God, two, and, fi- and fellow heirs, three, with 
Christ. He wants to drill something home in our heads, guys and gals. He wants to drill home this reality that if you become, if you are adopted, if you receive the adoption of Jesus Christ today or any day in your life, that you forever and ever and ever and ever, amen, will forever be a part of His family. And all the wealth and all the power and all the presence of God can be with you and is with you. And guess what? He also goes on to say all the suffering too. You're going to have all of life. But the great thing is, is that you will forever and forever and forever be a part of a family. Never separated again. Galatians 4, 7 says, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. You are no longer neglected. You are now accepted. And if a son, then an heir through God. You know, the, to kind of bring you up from November to the present, and you pick up maybe a little bit in, the, in, in between in my message, Lori and I went from this emotional crash on Thanksgiving Day to thinking, okay, God, what, why, all this, for what? We step back and we wait. And we wait. And we say, okay, we're going to make a space in our life for, for, for somebody, for some child out there. What does that mean? What's that going to take? Who is it? Who? Many times we want to know who before we get ready. And sometimes God won't show us the who until we're fully, fully ready. So it was in that process of Him preparing us. And so what we, we've gone through the DHS hoops, okay? We're jumping. We graduate tomorrow night, if Lord willing, okay? If we pass our exam, if there's an exam at the end, I don't know. But uh, we, will, we will be foster adoptive parents, qualify uh, in, that, in that next hurdle. We've still got you know, other hurdles to go through. Anytime you've got government involved, you've got hurdles. So we're going through the hurdles. We're making space. But we have been through a process again, introduced to a child. And uh, uh, without going into the details of the child, because we know very few details, this, this child is, has his, his rights, or the parents' rights have been terminated. He is a foster child and has been in the foster care system for up to five years. And we are looking at adopting him. We have a picture of him. He doesn't have a picture of us. He didn't know who we are. He didn't know anything about that. He didn't know anything about this conversation. Uh, one of the things Lori did, and I thank her for it, is that she took this photo and she put it on a sheet of paper and then she put it on the refrigerator. And she says, we're going to start writing notes to this boy. We're going to start writing notes as if he's already here, but he's just not in the house. So when we're doing something, when we're getting ready to do something, when we've had a big day, when we're going on a trip, when our kids go to camp or something like that, we'll write, wish you were here. A few weeks ago, we went on a float trip with our men. I wrote him a note. Wish you were here to go on the float trip. You know what we're trying to communicate? We're trying to create something that whenever, if ever, and again, there's lots more ifs out there, but if ever this child is to come into our home, that he will know this one thing. We chose him before he knew us. We accepted Him before He ever accepted us. We loved Him before He loved us. And I'm not saying 
that in any way other than to say, that's exactly what Jesus did with all of us. The Bible says before the foundations of the earth, He knew us. He called you by name. He wants you to be His child. If you can think about your own life for a moment, and its imperfections, it may be beautiful in your eyes, it may beautiful be beautiful in your neighbor's eyes, but if you were to drill down deep, I ask you this question. Listen very carefully. I'm going to ask it one time. Have you been adopted by God? Every one of us needs to be adopted by God. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, To as many as received Him, to them gave you the right to become the children of God. Have you received His adoption today? He wants to adopt everyone in this room. Every one of these children, and Jared said it earlier, talked about our children, and talked about how we need to receive Christ as a child. The Bible says that. Sometimes we need to get pushed past all this intellectual garbage and backup and filters that we put on there, and we just need to say, Jesus, I need you to rescue me from myself. And I want to be adopted by God. I'm going to pray. Father God, rescue us. Rescue us from ourselves. Rescue us from our past. Rescue us from our, our ways that are far from you. Be our Father today. Not only today, but for all eternity. Lord, help us to understand this concept and help us to embrace it with all of our lives. Lord, we pray this in the beautiful and the powerful and the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.